Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a Wrestling Mind Podcast. Enjoy the show. Well, I was a fanatic. There's no doubt a fanatic. My goal was to get carried out of the wrestling room because of exhaustion, and it never happened. The thing it did for me every day about 6 o'clock is that when I got out, I looked back in, and there was nobody else there. Bottom line was I didn't reach my goal. So guess what happened? I went back in the room again. But I got some quality time because of just some kind of a fanatic goal. Welcome back to a Wrestling Mind Podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. How we doing, y'all? Thanks for listening. Reese Humphrey is our guest today, and he's a bad, bad man. Three-time world team member, two-time NCAA All-American, and was forced to deal with one of the toughest things that could happen to a wrestler, having your weight class eliminated. During his wrestling, uh, senior wrestling career, his weight class was cut, and he actually had to go down in weight class for a massive weight cut, and then back up in weight for the 2016 Olympics. Can't wait for you guys to hear how he thinks about and deals with adversity. And before we get into the interview, you know what time it is, everybody. It's Fan of the Week time. This week's Fan of the Week is my brother, Tanner. Wrestled alongside me our entire lives together. Really appreciate his support for the podcast. Thanks for listening, my man. And hey, if you guys want to support the podcast, give us a review or subscribe on iTunes. Now, let's get into the interview with Reese Humphrey. Reese Humphrey, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? Hey, doing great. Thanks for having me on. I think just to start... You grew up with a really unique uh, situation. Your dad was a you know five-time world team member, you know a world silver medalist. Just what was that like growing up in that kind of environment? Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, so all his friends were all wrestlers, and and uh, you, you know they're world silver medalist, NCAA champion. It's just like such a normal thing coming through my childhood, and everybody wants to put their hands on you and wrestle with you, and so. Um, Throughout that whole time, they all wrestled me, and I got to know all those guys, but they were just my dad's buddies. They weren't these guys that, that most people idolize, or at least in the sport of wrestling. Um, so they were just my buddies, and, and throughout all that, I didn't even know my dad wrestled. You know, I'm, I'm sure that I, that I had a, a glimpse of it, but I, I never really put two and two together, as weird as that might sound. I kind of knew he was a wrestler, but never never understood the, the caliber that he was at, and uh and it actually attributes to, to one of the greatest things is, is he never pushed me in wrestling and he never even really introduced the sport to me. I'm sure he, he taught me some of the basics, um, like keeping my head up and keeping my back straight when I'm basically wrestling or fighting my brother in the living room. But other than that, there was, there was nothing until the sixth grade. When I, I came home from middle school one day, I said, Dad, my best friend, is, he's a wrestler. I think I'm going to try wrestling. And I remember his eyes lit up. It was such a monumental moment for me. I was like, wow, he's really into this. And I didn't even know, <laughs> I didn't even know why. You know? so, um, and it, it's just wrestling so tough. It has to be for yourself. And there's, there's a lot of, uh, as I'm raising my, my boy and, and my daughter, there's so many things that have to be learned and uh, wanted for yourself it makes it a lot easier to go through that tough process. If you really want it for yourself, you understand the, the reasoning for it. When if, if someone's pushing you in it and you're doing it for someone else, you can push at a really hard level and a really high level, but uh, it, it's not to that maximum effort that you can give when you really want something just because you want it. And I think that's huge. And, and I see all these people trying to be entrepreneurs after wrestling. And uh, these are all really tough people, but if they want it for themselves, they go, 
that extra mile and they go to another level. But if they're doing it for someone else or because they think they're supposed to do these things or trying to accomplish something for some, someone else, it's just they still know a very high level of work, but it's not the same. Yeah, and I think that getting to that that really special place of pushing the wall back every day, uh, most people have no idea what that even feels like. I mean, you certainly do. You're a you know, three-time a world team member, but um, yeah, getting to that that state of discomfort is got to be something that only comes from this insane burning passion deep inside. And if it's for someone else, you're never going to get there. You know? Yeah, it's true. And, and I'm coming to that realization now as I'm, I'm done with wrestling, you know, the famous Gable quote, uh, everything in life is easy after wrestling. And it's just not true. Uh, it's easier because I know <laughs> I, I understand what real hard work is, but going back to that same point, I don't have the same passion for, uh, creating content. My, my next goals are, are vlogging and, and making a social media presence, which, which I've, I've created in the past, but uh, staying consistent is a bit of a challenge for me when before when I was training full time and it was just like, so everything, all the content was basically right in front of me. It was all easy. Uh, it's getting harder now and it takes a different kind of discipline, different type of focus. And you have to find different things that you're interested in to keep yourself motivated. But I'm, I'm finding that, that after wrestling, everything is not easy. Uh, you still have to, you still have to find different ways to, to motivate yourself and to, um, keep that passion and that fire because with wrestling, it was so, if I put in work, I get better. And I, I really wanted to be world champion, Olympic champion, and those things didn't come to fruition for me, but you know, it was so right in front of my face every day. I trained with Logan Stever and Sean Bunch who were, who were always, we were like one, two or one, three on the team USA ladder. Uh, and that, that fight and that passion was just right in front of my face. It's like if I skipped a sprint or I didn't go 100%, I watched it right next to me. That he'd be, he would pass me. Uh, so I wouldn't have to visualize anything, having partners like Steber and Bunch and, and uh, Jaggers and, and having Kyle Snyder in the room, who is world Olympic champion, and Terbel Delagnev is a couple-time Olympian. These guys were it's just greatness right in front of my face all day, every day. So it was very hard to slack off. And so now that I'm I'm retired from competitive wrestling and moving into coaching. I have to find these uh, these different types of motivation within myself. So it's a little different, but still fun and challenging. Well, I think that's why the notion of having business mentors or professional mentors for former athletes is so important, especially for me, because I mean, to your point, when you're on a team, when you're on the grind, you're in the grit together every day. And I mean, at your level, I mean, working out with those guys that must have been an insane level of competition. Um, and so if you weren't up to par, it would it would show. I mean, how intense were those workouts back in the day? I mean, imagine the hardest thing you've ever done and then do it back to back for 365, you know. So I work out. I have an awesome strength coach who's one of the craziest people on the planet. Uh, Dustin Myers, Coach Myers Gut Check on Instagram. If you'd like to follow him, he's got his own supplement company out now, Max Effort Muscle, who uh, who I'm fortunate enough to still be a part of. Uh, and so that would he had he had me basically as his number one client, and uh, he would come to uh, the Ohio State wrestling room and and put me through, and he would want to put me through as hard as possible. So I would get pushed to the max, and then I'd I'd go home and hang out with my kids they were little at the time so they're around all day uh and then i would go straight to practice where i have you know ncaa champion and then world champion back to back to back with partners and there's there's just no break 
and uh, we're just expected to go at a at a rate that is it's very very intense and grueling on a daily basis when you try to just you're trying to murder yourself in the morning and then just when you're just capable enough to to get your feet on the mat and get mentally prepared again it's go time and then do it all over again wow yeah it must have been must have been intense obviously um and i i I do want to get into some of the world trials days and the olympic trials days but before we get there i mean you came into college on really an incredible uh, streak I, i think you went undefeated in middle school three time state champ in high school your brother was a college wrestler. Your dad's a world silver medalist. So, I mean, you must have been heating up the kids' circuit and high school circuits. Then you get into college. Um, you're a multiple-time All-American. And then you get to the finals against another world-level athlete in Franklin Gomez, who was at Michigan State at the time. Um, and it didn't work out the way you wanted, obviously. What sure. was it like, like the five minutes, ten minutes after? And how long were you in that state of, like, probably it's extreme adversity trying to bounce back from that like how did you come back from that and then get back on the world circuit where you where you made such a name for yourself uh well freestyle is after collegiate wrestling and folk style is during collegiate uh and i wasn't quite as good at folk style wrestling i I did a lot of the wrestling on my feet which is why i transitioned so fast and so easily into the freestyle circuit um and so not winning the ncaa's being second as a junior and uh you know, I was, I was a little bit big for the weight. I was cutting a little bit too much. So I was a little bit more inconsistent than I would like to be. And then uh, trying to move up my senior year was a little bit too small. So uh, excuses or whatever, uh, I didn't get it done. But in my mindset, it was painful at the time. And it, it painful for a long time afterwards. It was on my mind all the time. I thought about Gomez and, and I wanted to win that match and what I could have done differently. But instead of sitting there and crying about it, uh, I didn't want that feeling again, so I got to work. And uh, it's just such a, an incredible mindset that that taught me a lot, uh, not just about wrestling, but about life, because it's it's just so often in the workforce or uh, with your family, something's going to knock you down all the time. And if you you feel sorry for yourself, and I talked to to my boy, my little boy Parker, I talked to him about being the victim. You know, someone's picking on you, then that's going to happen. Or if somebody's uh, if you get a bad grade on a test, it's you can feel sorry for yourself and you can cry about it and you can you can push that work aside or you can take it head on and try and not have that feeling again. And uh, and it just seems like a much better approach. And the people that take that that uh, perspective seem to be way more successful. And uh, paying attention to to all these people who are successful and what do they do? Which is why being in the wrestling room with all these world class athletes was so so easy because it was in front of your face all the time it's like well if Travell and Snyder and Logan and Jaggers are all they're all doing x y and z and then the guys who are 500 or below 500 are doing a b and c or whatever it is Mm -hmm. it seems pretty obvious the three things you should be doing and uh some people don't have that if they're not surrounded by greatness or they're the best in their field so uh, they have to make those decisions for themselves. So it makes it a little bit more difficult. But not being the victim and paying attention to others uh, that you aspire to be like is is pretty important, I think. Well, that's what's so great about the Internet now is that even if you are in a small community in some rural town somewhere, you you have podcasts, you have these user groups. I mean, you can get um, – 
maybe not the exact same, but you can get into some type of um, like mastermind group where you can vibe off each other and, and build off one another, um, which is what's exciting, right? And obviously one of the missions as to why we're having this call now is to, to get your message out there to these wrestlers who aren't in um, in the Ohio State training room or even to like young millennials who are, are out there on the grind and looking for some additional motivation. Um, and so you you have an inc- you, know, you you go through college and then you get on the world freestyle scene um, and you end up making three world teams over probably five or six years. Um, but one of the stories I love is you know your first I think it's one of your first U.S. Opens after college. I think you draw Mike Zadek in the semis. Right. Was that after co- the one right after college? Um, uh, so I did one. I wrestled the NCAA's and then I had the Open, the U.S. Open, like uh, like a month later. And I okay. got fourth at the open and fourth at the trials, and then it was the next year. Okay, so you you draw Mike Zadek in the semis, and for the non wrestler listeners, this guy is just like the grittiest, just to me like just tough, tough son of a bitch you've ever you've ever seen. I mean, Iowa wrestler, just an animal. Uh, when you're going up against him and you end up beating him. But I'd love to know, like, coming into that match, what's your self-talk like? I mean, what are you saying to yourself? Um, does a light switch flip on and off as to when you're, like, normal Reese versus competitor Reese? What is that, like, pre-match buildup like? Yeah, so I got a couple stories. I'll give you the, the before and the during. Uh, sure. So before, uh, the whole – the whole uh, we got I knew what the seeds were going to be. I knew where I was going to sit on the ladder. So I was going to be uh, – I was going to have Zadik in the semis and then either – Sean Bunch, who was a training partner of mine, or Coleman Scott were on the other side, who ended up being Olympic bronze medalist. Um, so I thought those were two of the tougher, and obviously Zadek is right up there with them. Um, he was get, getting a little bit older, but still very, very tough and world silver medalist. And uh, But my goal was to retire him. So I wanted to retire Mike Zadek, and I had this in my head. <laughs> <laughs> had it in my head every single day. I was thinking, I would tell everybody, I'm going to I'm gonna retire him. I'm going to be the last match he ever wrestles because I'm going to wrestle him and I'm going to beat him. And I'm gonna, it's like that turning point. Some young kid comes up and, and takes out the world silver medalist. He's he's not going to like that. And he's going to, it's going to be the, the beginning of the downfall or the beginning of the end for him. And this is the mindset I had. And I told everybody and I, I wanted that match. And I, I prepared for it. I watched film. I knew exactly what he could do. I knew what I had to do to beat him. And uh, it ended up going pretty, pretty much the way that I planned. Uh, I had to score late in some matches. I had to score early, or in the, you had to win two out of three periods. So I had to score early once, and then I scored a little later the second time. Um, and uh, I scored in both periods. And so I don't know if you know the clinch and yeah, all that. So yeah. I, I didn't yeah, want to yeah. go into that and leave it up to yep. chance. I hate the clinch. I lost my first eleven. Uh, coin flips in the clinch so uh, so I didn't ever want to go into that but I wanted to retire Zadik and uh, so I'm in the match I'm all prepared I'm pumped up I won the first period and you know Zadik just like you said tough in shape conditioned Iowa guy like he's going to be a brawler and I'm getting starting to get tired it's the middle of the second period and we go out of bounds and uh, I'm coming back to the center and for some reason I thought that if he could hear me breathing that would give him an edge so i held my breath so i'm walking back to the center and i'm holding my breath and there's no way that he would ever notice that 
But for me, the mental edge of like, oh, yeah, I got him. He doesn't even know. I'm not even breathing hard. And I hear him breathing. I'm like, oh, man, he's breathing way harder than me. I got him. And that gave me a little bit of endorphin boost or some confidence boost that uh, made it pretty easy. I don't remember ever really being exhausted in the match, just, you know, normal, tired. But I was expecting to be in this really tough, gritty thing, and he was going to continue to push the pace. And and that was just one of those little stupid tricks. It's something that was really important to me and, and stood out, uh, which probably didn't affect him at all, but it changed everything from my perspective. Well, it's crazy how you remember it I mean, right away. I mean, it, it was probably less than five seconds in reality, but you remember it clear as day later. Right. Um, and like, so you would go around, you know, before the, before the open, you'd go around telling people that like you were going to you were going to put him out. You had that self-belief going into the tournament, like just zero doubts to your mind that that's, that's the way it was going to be. Right. And, and I'm, uh, and this is to a default from, from my looking back at my career, I was always uh, a realist. Uh, there's two things that can happen in a wrestling match. You can win, you can lose. Uh, and I knew that it was a chance that I could lose, but I knew if I tried really hard and, and I uh, gave it my effort, I had a really good shot of beating him. And, uh, so it, it's not a, it wasn't a false confidence. I really thought that I could, and, and mm-hmm. obviously it worked out that way. Um, and even in matches where, uh, the guy has more credentials than me, I'll, some of these Iowa guys, like, they really think they're going to win every single time. And they're so shocked when they lose and they've lost to him five times. And I don't get that. I've never had that. And I think it's, uh, it's really beneficial to them. They really think they're going to win. And, uh, the matches that I've always really thought I was going to win, I, I tended to do better in. Uh, but I could never get past that. If somebody was a world champion and they beat me, I'd be like, ah, at least I try hard. So I wish I had a little bit more of that false confidence. I was more of a realist uh, when it came to match preparation and, and what I expected in the match. Uh, but that was one I really thought I could win, and uh, it, it worked out that way. That's interesting because you would think um, that all elite performers think, like, like you were talking about, kind of like that my Conor McGregor, like, almost like bizarre self-confidence, self-belief in yourself. Yeah. But it sounds like you think there's a balance between the two. <clears throat> yeah. No, I, I think it's a fault. I wish I had that. Uh, okay. But yeah, the guys, they, like you said, McGregor, you know, yeah. just so supreme confidence. Like even when he lost, he ran out of time or, he, he, or you know, the ref screwed you. I've, I've met a ton of guys like that. And I wish I had that when I was competing. But uh, I, I don't know, man. It just – I couldn't have the emotional roller coaster all the time. You win and you, you expect to win. And then if you lose, it's the worst thing in the world. Like I couldn't, I lost too much for to have it be devastating every time, you know? So I don't know. I, I wish I would have had that, but I, I just never, I never did. Well, now that you're coaching, how do you balance that with your athletes? Do you try to impart that in them or, um, do you try to keep an even balance? Um, I love the guys who are supremely confident, but um, I also want them to, to wrestle the best guys in the room. And, and the more great guys you get your hands on, the, the more you realize how not great you are. You know? And so if I'm the best in the country, uh, I surround myself with Logan Steber and Sean Bunch and, and uh, you know, guys who are bigger, Snyder and Travell, who I'll never get my hands on. But mm-hmm. uh, it's like, well, this is what real greatness is, you know? And so I, I always, I never wanted that, that confidence like that because, um, I always wanted to feel like the underdog and wanted to work like the underdog. And then, uh, 
and then the winning will take care of it, itself. Um, and it never affected my ever, effort or anything, but I just didn't have that emotional roller coaster after a loss like like some of these guys do. Well, you've mentioned him a couple of times here, and I think it's only fitting we, we talk about it just for a second. So today's Wednesday, March 14th. The greatest time of the year starts tomorrow, the Division One Nationals. We'll all be glued to it. And Kyle Snyder, the great Kyle Snyder, wraps up his college career tomorrow, uh, or Saturday, I should say. You spend a lot of time with him. Just while we're on the subject, what makes him so great outside of his physical abilities? Because you know th- that is going to happen. Like, What is the difference for that guy? I mean, he's an unbelievable uh, probably the maybe the greatest wrestler of all time. We'll see. Yeah, he will be the greatest wrestler of all time. Not greatest American. I, I'm very confident he's going to be the greatest wrestler of all time. He's already really been, even like in the world level. Yeah, wow. on, on every, at everybody. You know, he's wow. three for three at the worlds and the Olympics right now, and uh, starting at 19 years old, 19, 20, and 21. <laughs> so he's uh, he's uh, he's already proven to be the best American. He's just got to win a few more titles or be around. He's got. I think he's got at least 10 more years in him. So yeah. uh, I'm sure there'll be some bumps along the way, but he's had some of the toughest challenges with Sajulayev and oh, and, my uh, God. and uh, some of these other Russians. And I mean, he's wrestled the best of the best every time, and he, he finds a way. You know, he's got ice in his veins. But what's just amazing about him is, and, and to be great like that, you'd have to just be perfect for this sport. You know, he works insanely hard, hardest worker in the room. Uh, and on top of that, his body doesn't get tired in the first place so his positioning is great uh his intensity in the practice room shooting a hundred times even when he's getting uncomfortable even though he's the best guy in the room he's still getting the most exhausted every day because he's he's shooting 50 times when everyone else is trying to block off and give him and then the next guy gives him their 100 percent. so he puts himself in a situation where he can make it an equal fight um even if there's no chance or nobody in the world that can really fight him uh same weight class you know so and and then just smart smart kid he's mature uh great guy to be around uh i i I don't have one bad thing to say about him he's not arrogant he's uh he's trying to learn from everybody and and being around the best guys and uh i've recently worked out with tj dillashaw and and hung out with uh some other ufc guys and and then I think about being around Burroughs and Travel Delagnev and uh, and Snyder, and you would think these guys uh, wouldn't want to hear the technique that I would want to give them, but these are the guys who are the most attentive in those situations. If if I say something or some coach says something who's got less credentials than me or or more, it doesn't matter. If it's a little kid, they're paying attention. I'm like, well, what are you doing here? Oh, okay, cool. I mean, it's just like there's a reason why they continue to improve and they continue to get better is because they'll take information from anybody. And I think it's a huge lesson. Um, so many people dismiss other people because their high school coach doesn't have a state title to his name. Uh, when the best guys are trying to learn from everybody because learn from your dad, learn from your brother, learn from your high school coach, college coach. There's a lot of people that really care about your improvement as an athlete and a lot of people block it out just because they don't have the credential or because now nah, that doesn't work for me you're too tall or you're too short I'm stronger than that or I'm weaker here you know there's so many different excuses you can make for yourself but those guys Burroughs, Snyder, uh, Turvell, Dillashaw these are the guys who are looking me in the eyes and, and paying attention to everything that I say and, I, and I'm nothing compared to those guys. 
Well, I didn't know that about <clears throat> Dillashaw. I mean, I, I would assume you'd worked with, you know, the greats of the greats and like the current, you know, world team. But that's pretty cool. You got to work with Dillashaw. Uh, he, he's out in Southern California at the training lab right now. Are, are you by there? Uh, I'm like 45 minutes from them, so I've, it's okay. been a it's been a recent thing. Uh, nice. We talked about doing it, and then he had his baby out in Colorado, and then he came back just recently, and so we've been working out uh, a couple times a week, um, as as much as we can, really. Uh, and man, just a great listener, great guy, just really wants to get better. And uh, wrestling is just he it's his home base, but yeah. uh, he hasn't done it in a while, so it's he's getting frustrated sometimes and. And, uh, but it's just still, still focused on the task at hand. He understands the importance of it. So, uh, yeah, I love man, that it's, guy. it's just, <laughs> what a stud, you know, that picture of him after, uh, the, the Cody Nola fight where they're like face to face and he's just screaming, screaming at, at the top of his lungs. That's just the rawest, purest, um, just adrenaline I've ever seen. I get, I get goosebumps even thinking about it. Um, and then, and kind of on that line of, being around the greats, learning from the greats. There's a story of you where you made the world team. I believe you're out at Colorado Springs. You're, you're training for the world championships. And at any given time, I think you said you had Kale Sanderson, John Smith, Bill Zadek, all these guys coaching you. Can you can you talk about that experience? Because I think it's just incredible to, yeah, to hear yeah. about that. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I could picture it today. It was It's such a surreal thing, all the – not just the greats of the sports, but the legends of American Olympic sporting, whatever you want to call it. You know, I had uh, like five world and Olympic champions. I think it was six, uh, six world and Olympic champions working with specifically just me and my training partner. And I'm doing all the drills. So I'm just thinking like, so who was it? It was Kale Sanderson, uh, Dan Gable, John Smith, um, maybe tom brands was there um i mean it's just the, the best of the best you know i'm thinking oh my god I'm, oh it's slay and zadig so six <laughs> you know so uh, yeah just a crazy crazy situation and it's an overlay you know it's it's too much it was too much yeah. to even process but i'm just you know we had like an hour an hour and a half with with that group and it was it went by in a second you know everybody's got something and then they're all talking they're trying to learn from each other at the same time like wow you do that oh i do this differently and so it's just like well i'm definitely going to be able to figure out something that works for me uh because they're all you know the best of the best for completely different reasons um so in that type of scene where it's the world championships does everyone come together like that or is kale working with his guys and, and tom's working with gilman and his guys like how does that work out there uh there's, you know, Zadik is the head coach of Team USA, and so he's working with everybody. And then Brands is going to be working with his elite level Iowa guys. Uh, so mm-hmm. everybody's kind of segregated in that section. But uh, if I ask Tom Brands a question, he is 100% answering it. And uh, yeah, and we're all a team at that point, even though as as heated as those rivalries can get, oh, re- yeah. wrestling has a, a respect around it that. Uh, it's kind of unmatched. So as much as I wanted to punch people in the face uh, during a match, right afterwards I'm ready to shake their hand and and uh, I'll, I'll be friends with them. You know, I, some most of my closest friends uh, on the international scene are guys in my way to right around my way because you know I've, I've bled and sweat with these guys and it creates a bond when you basically get in a fist fight with somebody every day. Yeah. Uh, 
and so sounds weird, yeah, but it's so true, right? It, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. It really it's really does. true, you know. And and it, it's no one's being dirty or anything, so it's it's not like they're jerks about it. But I I talk about uh, wrestling Logan Stever in practice and then wrestling in a real match, and uh, there was one situation where he had he caught an arm bar on me and he knows I have a bad shoulder and I, I, he got it on that side and he ran it as hard as he could and it popped and he stopped as soon as it popped. But, uh, he wasn't trying to hurt me. He was just, he respects me enough as an athlete to give it his hundred percent. And he was going to drive that shoulder as hard as he could. Cause the chance to take me to my back might not be there if he doesn't, if he doesn't do that. Uh, so I, I never, never hated him for it. I never thought it was a bad thing that he did, but I, I actually respect it. I, I would want someone to go 100% and do exactly what they would do to somebody else um, if we're going to wrestle like that. And so uh, stepping on the mat with one of my better friends uh, and putting it, ourselves in that situation, the, the only thing to do is to respect me enough to give it your 100. So if I beat you, I beat you. And if you beat me, then you really beat me. Well, I think the one thing that we can all take away from that wrestler or not is when you step into your your craft for the day, for you it was stepping into the weight room in the morning and the practice room at night. Um, for me, it's stepping into you know the sales office. Um, yeah, I work from home, but the sales office each day. Like when I'm getting ready to go meet with clients, I have to be in a certain mindset. I think no matter what you're doing, podcasting, wrestling, uh, business, whatever. I think what the main thing I'm taking away is that when it's time to go, you have to be 100% focused, no distractions, and that that fire, that passion inside really has to come out and take you to that place where a lot of people aren't willing to go. Um, That's just coming through loud and clear in this interview, for me at least. Um, Yeah, no doubt. Um, The way to get ahead is to do things that other people don't want to do, and you've heard that a million times, but people don't get it Uh, because... it's not even that much because I, I relate everything to wrestling and I know what, what work it takes to, to be a successful wrestler and everything's the same way. So even when I'm, I'm getting ahead of people, I still don't feel like I'm doing nearly as much as I could. Uh, so there's always another gear that I could ramp it up if I wanted to, but I just do a little bit extra and it get, it goes a long way. Uh, and, and people notice and people want to give you promotions or give you better jobs and this and that, uh, but it doesn't take that much. It's really not that much. It's maybe don't watch one hour of TV and put some work into something that you're passionate about, something that you've gotten drunk and told your friends that you want to do. I, I hear right. every time I party with people, they they have these ideas. I'm like, I'm, I don't want the idea guy. I want the guy yeah. who's going to have one idea that's not that great, but he's going to work for it. And, the action guy. The action yeah. guy. I just want yeah. the guy who's going to actually do what he says because everybody's got the million dollar idea, but I want the guy with the thousand dollar idea that's actually going to do it. Yep. Yep. No, I, I'm reading a book right now by Ryan holiday obstacle is the way, and there's a whole piece on action. Um, really great book. If you haven't read it. Um, and just, I know we're, we're getting ready to wrap this up here. I, I do want to get to one point though. And that was coming into this one of my main focuses, but I try to let these things be as conversational as possible. Um, you know, speaking of the obstacles, the way you had probably one of the most, I guess, any way you could look at it, inopportune things happen to you um, during the Olympic quad going into 2016. You've made world teams. Um, you're kind of like the guy now, right? I mean, I think you you made, I made like two or three in a row world teams, that is. And then the 
highly uh, corrupt, um, highly bizarre, in my opinion, wrestling federation drops a weight class. They drop your weight class, forcing you to either go down to a cut that's unmanageable or go up. Um, can you just talk through that? Like for those of, even for like the non-wrestlers, like what happened? And I mean, what did you do to that? I mean, it was just reading about it. Was it really hard? I, I got sick to my stomach just reading about what happened. Uh, can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation. So I was always cutting a lot of weight, uh, to make 60 kilos and, uh, and then, but I mean, it's the Olympics are coming up and I'm thinking like, all right, well, I can do it for a couple more years and really have a good chance of being on the team. Um, and then they drop the weight. They go from seven weights to six and they don't change any. They just take one out and it's mine. So it's, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit worrisome, but at the same time, I'm like, well, I'm cutting a lot of weight. Uh, and I'm actually, how much weight are you cutting? Just out of curiosity, like 20, 27, 28 pounds. Uh, what, and what is 60 kilos? Like one, 132. And I weighed around. So you're walking around 60, 58 at the time, maybe. Um, even when you're training, you're that light or this is like, yeah, this is in shape. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. You know, 56 if I'm watching it. But yeah, to get down there, okay. it's just, it was, uh, so you say, long, okay, maybe there's process. a, maybe there's a silver lining here. I'll go up and wait. And yeah. that's like the, the yeah, best news for any wrestler. To, okay. I'll still have to cut weight and I'll still, uh, you know, I'll still be big and strong, but, uh, there was just, it's a different sport. I, I, I equate the two lightweights as one sport is a lot of action from the outside and a lot of quickness and athleticism and uh and trickery and misdirection and then 65 and and 70 now or 74 back then uh they start to get a lot uh, more gritty and a lot more hand fighting the guys are stronger and they they know how to hold position a lot better and it was something it was just a whole huge huge thing i had to adapt and try and uh try and change the way that i wrestled in a very short amount of time so i went up uh to try and get used to it and then, uh, you know, I, I did okay. Uh, I got second at Dave Schultz International, which was good. And then, uh, but then I, I got, I don't know, something, I maybe fifth at the Open or something. And it, I hated it. I hated the feeling of not being where I was when I, it was just like so recent where I was on top. Uh, and so, so I decided to go back down. Uh, for one more year and then just try and jump back up for the Olympics. But I figured I'd, I'd want another shot at making a world team and, and winning the world. Cause that was really my goal. I didn't care if it was Olympic or world championships. It's the same guys, uh, same process. I just wanted to be the best in the world at something. I thought that was my best chance to do it. So I gave it one more shot and cut the weight all the way back down. Uh, but the, the up and down, it wasn't really beneficial, uh, to the end game. Uh, but I made another world team. I won another U.S. Open. I, I think the cut was was worth it. Uh, but then trying to jump back up to wrestle at the Olympics was a little bit difficult. But uh, I think I still had a shot to make the team. But it was very, very deep weight with a lot of tough guys, as you can imagine. It's two weight classes brutal together. Brutal weight. Absolutely yeah. brutal weight. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, well, I mean, when, it's, it's, it, when it happened, it like I was talking about earlier, I could have felt sorry about it or could have done this and that. But... I made my decisions and, and I dealt, I, I played the cards that I was dealt and, uh, I have no regrets. I, I, I loved every second of it. Um, I think I could have done a couple things different. I think I've learned a lot of things more, uh, about positioning and hand fighting 
now that I'm out of rest, out of competing at the highest level. So I, I, I will, I am really excited about taking this new job and getting my hands on uh, some elite level guys again to see if I can implement some of these things that I've been working on uh, with a different mindset as a coach instead of an athlete. But yeah, man, I'm just, when I, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I think you, you, you mentioned a couple of things. First of all, is that um, like when any of the listeners encounter something difficult in their day, step back, detach from it. Nine times out of 10, it's not as earth shattering to their world as this was to you. Um, you, you maybe were, were down about it, maybe still down about it, but I mean, maybe you were down about it where you weren't really doing anything else for maybe a day, a couple hours. I'm not sure exactly, but bottom line is that you said, okay, I have a couple options here, right? I can go up and even though you went up for that year and you had what any wrestler would, you know, would be lucky to have a year like that. Um, you know, still competing at the highest level in the U S you learn a new skill, you learn some hand fighting technique. Then you go back down in 2015, you tech your way to the finals. I think you wrestled Dennis in the finals, Jimmy Kennedy in the trials. You make another world team. Um, and then you, you, you get another year that, that mental toughness you get from cutting 30 pounds or 28 pounds, whatever it is. So I think bottom line, and kind of what I was hoping to get out of this interview that we've certainly dove it, dug, dug into is that any task worth doing, no matter what it is, if it's sewing, if it's singing, wrestling, business, sales, whatever, there are going to be obstacles. And like how you respond to those is, is literally how successful you're going to be in life. Um, and, and you certainly overcame that. Um, at a number of different places. So I think just to, just to close things out, I mean, any last words to the listeners on that notion of obstacles and turning each obstacle into an opportunity? Anything on that that like you've used throughout your life to, to guide you on the path you're on? Yeah, I mean, you, you nailed it. It's, it's as simple as that. Uh, these little bumps in the road, you're not special. Someone else has been hit harder. Some other people don't get hit as hard. But you got hit with something, take it. Take it on the chin and move forward. Um, the people who get upset about it and start to think about why me, I mean, all these, any podcast you listen to, you'll come across stories of people who don't do that. Uh, don't be the victim. Think about what can I do to improve my situation? Uh, how is my actions going to affect me? Uh, don't think about trying to get somebody back or, or doing this and that. It's, it's not worth it. Just take it on the chin and move forward. Yep. That's it, man. Um, well, cool. I, I can't thank you enough. I know you're out on the West coast right now out there for another week before you, you head off. Um, just before we go, do you want to speak to what you're going to be doing at your new role? And then uh, where can folks find you online on the social channels? Sure. So, uh, right now I coach a kids club, uh, high school and youth guys at Titan Mercury youth out in California. My brother's getting ready to take over my position. Uh, he was my assistant out here, and so now he's going to be the head coach, which I'm really thrilled about. Uh, and and I'm moving up in the world, moving from the high school programs to collegiate and senior level athletes over at Princeton and Rutgers University uh, at the New Jersey Regional Training Center, the NJRTC. So I'm really excited about that. And if you're looking to find some motivation or athletic tricks, you can check me out at Highlight Humphrey on Instagram, Highlight Hump on Twitter, and uh, check my YouTube channel out. I'm just getting getting rolling on that. Uh, YouTube.com slash Highlight Humphrey. So there you have it. Check me out. 
check it out, people. You you will see some feats of athleticism that you didn't know were possible. The handstand on the treadmill sprints is pretty incredible. Right. As is this, is this uh, the one you just posted where you someone shoots on you, you do a backflip. And I'm like, what the fuck is this guy doing? I mean, I've, I always knew you were athletic, but I mean, it's it's to a whole new level. So I think anyone will appreciate that. You got to somehow get that video of you on the treadmill where you're doing 10-second sprints all out, and then you stop, do a handstand for 10 seconds, and sprint again. It's, it's fucking crazy. Right, yeah. You got to be a little bit nuts to do what we do, so... Pushing the do you have that one, or is that is that out there in the ether somewhere? It's on it's on Instagram somewhere. Uh, Man, you gotta get deep, it. But yeah, the, this newest one, the Gainer one, it went viral a little bit. And I saw a bunch yeah. of pages that had a couple million hits, and and it was on the front page of Reddit the other day. So it. It went well, so I'm going to go, capitalize man. on that, and I'm going to do some of the background on how to do a trick like that on my YouTube channel, so stay tuned. That's awesome. We'll post that in the show notes, um, and again, Reese, thank you for your time, sir. Enjoy your last couple of days in California, and we'll talk soon, man. All right. Thanks a lot. And all great things must come to an end. That's the end of this episode, but it's not the end of the season or the show. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you want to support the podcast, Please go to iTunes, give us a rating and subscribe, and also check out wrestlingmind.com for blogs and archived shows. Have a great day.